Hey y'all, welcome back to Crime Critics and Chaos. My name is Shivani. And I'm Shaylin. And, and we're, we're your hosts. Just a reminder, as always, please follow us on all social media platforms. We're on Instagram and Facebook, so join our discussion groups there. We'd love to hear your thoughts and opinions regarding the cases that we cover. We would also appreciate any reviews that you guys leave us on any of the platforms that you listen to us on. Um, that will definitely help our podcast get into the feed of other true crime listeners such as you. All right, Shivani, it is hot seat time. It is hot seat time. Are you ready? I am ready. All right, I'll go first. What is something most people love but I hate? Um, hmm. So me then? Like what is something that most people love but something I hate? Yeah. Okay. I think a lot of people love guacamole, and I hate guacamole. And, I mean, I am allergic to avocados, or at least I think I am in my head, because every <laughs> single time I have or I've had guacamole, I've thrown up and had, like, a stomach virus, and I think it's because my stomach cannot digest avocados. Um, that's the only thing I can think of. We almost um, ruined our friendship. <laughs> <laughs> you love avocados? I love guacamole. Oh when it's you okay. said that, my heart broke. <laughs> you can have mine. It's okay. <laughs> you can have mine. Okay. Friendship rekindled. <laughs> <laughs> we have this whole thing going on here. We can't just ruin our friendship forever. <laughs> guacamole. Never, never. It, it would definitely take a lot, and I do mean a lot, to end our friendship. <laughs> yes. Right. So something that I hate that people love, I don't know. That's hard because I like a lot of things. <laughs> um, but if it had to be like like food related, like if I want to go on that spectrum, it will probably be like mayonnaise. I don't like mayonnaise. You don't like mayonnaise? No. I love mayonnaise. No. Oh, <laughs> cheese. You don't I like cheese? I hate cheese oh my god i dislike cheese I, I don't want cheese on my hamburger and the thing about it is i'm weird people call me weird all the time i know i'm i'm weird i eat cheese on pizza okay and i may eat cheese on nachos but i don't like cheese on my burger i hate it whoa i hate I it i did not know that about you no i don't know what it is you're not the only friend of mine that actually hates cheese i have another friend who hates cheese and i'm just, just like the reaction i gave her i'm gonna give you that same exact reaction because <laughs> i love cheese but the only type of cheese that I do not like, which is kind of funny, is nacho cheese. Like, I don't like, like, that Velveeta queso Really? Cheese. I hate that, yeah. But, like, mm. on my burgers, my sandwich, oh, I don't eat burgers, but, like, chicken like chicken burgers. Like, mm-hmm. I eat chicken, obviously. So, on all of that stuff, I have to have cheese. Like, Mm-mm. my enchiladas, no. like, my any Mexican food, I have to have cheese no. on. Mm-mm. Oh, my gosh, Shaylin, what? I don't know. It's weird <laughs> because people, every time I tell people, like, I don't like cheese, but then I explain to them that I, you know, if I have the move for nachos because I do like Velveeta cheese on nachos. Right. They're like, you like cheese. You just don't like cheese on certain things. I'm like, no, I don't like cheese. Well, That's you like melted cheese. <laughs> you just don't like like the actual like raw, you know, yeah. cheese. You, but yeah. you but you don't you don't mind if it's melted. Like, yeah, you know. I guess. Yeah, I guess you. Could and say I'm that. the opposite. Yes, so. I don't, girl. <laughs> do not put cheese on my burger. I'm definitely. <laughs> if I ever go to like Burger King, and I don't like Burger King, but I'm just saying, if I ever go to like a restaurant where I'm ordering a burger, and I specifically ask you to not put cheese on my burger, and you put cheese on my burger, I'm pulling back up. And <laughs> that's funny that you say that because this friend that I was telling you about, um, we used to like we we graduated together in high school. And we and her worked together for a little while um, out of school as well. And it's funny because she was telling me one day, she's like, I just went to McDonald's. And she's like, I went to the drive-thru and I specifically asked for a burger. Literally just the meat and the bread. Nothing else. (laughs) No cheese, no nothing. So she pulls around and she gets the burger and there's cheese in it. So she pulls around again and she's like, hey, I didn't ask for this. I didn't want cheese. Because you know how they like melt the cheese on the patty? Yes. Oh, my God. Don't do that. And so she went around. And then even the second time, girl, they did the (sighs) same exact thing. And my friend, she's like super like introverted so she was like you know what i'm done i was like oh my gosh i would have went inside and been like what are y'all doing like what are y'all doing i would give that bag of burgers <laughs> in they face she just like took it and came back to work and didn't even eat lunch like she just like gave the burger away because like no that was the second time that they like messed up her order so mm-hmm. she didn't want to go back around I was the like, second time first time okay cool i understand second time now you playing with me <laughs> <laughs> you playing with me and I'm about to go through this drive through again and throw this burger at your face. Like, I'm, don't play with me. I literally just told you don't put cheese on my burger and you did it twice. Yeah, but in this case, like the fact that she's like, all, all I asked for is just like the patty and the bread. Like, I don't want any vegetables, no tomatoes, no pickles, no lettuce, no cheese, nothing. Yeah, just that was playing the bread. with your friend. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah, but no, cheese is a no-go for me. No. 
That's interesting. I did not know that about you. Yeah. All right, my question for you. So what do people wrongly assume about you? I think what people wrongly assume about me is the fact that they think I grew up in a big city, but I really grew up in a, like a rural area, like a small town. Right. Um, I don't know why people think that. Maybe it's just, you know, how I talk or how I carry myself. Maybe, but, yeah. Um, yeah, I grew up in a rural area, small town, Orange, Texas, if you know where it is. It's like really right there by the Louisiana border. You can't miss it. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's why I grew up small town, country girl. Wow. Mm -hmm. I knew that about her because we've talked, right? But I, I can definitely see how an outsider aspect could definitely not catch up on or catch that um, yeah. fact about you. Next question. My question for you. Where's the worst place someone could take you on a first date? Um, <laughs> first date? Do not take me to the movies. I think that's basic. Yeah, but like with movies, it's like you're sitting here not talking, not getting to know each other. You're just watching a movie together, right? right? Like, I agree. Uh, to me, I'm like a first date should be like a type of date where you get to know each other. Exactly. I agree. But yeah, don't take me to the movies. Like, that's so like 2005, 2006, <laughs> 2007, 8, 9, 10, whatever. But yeah, don't take me on, on a movie date, the first date. Um, but for me, besides that, please do not take me somewhere like camping or something like that because I don't think you're gonna try to murder me yeah <laughs> I like uh, no I would I would say no anyway are you a camping kind of girl like, I love camping really? don't get me wrong yeah, I, I grew up in the country I love you camping did. but if you're coming to me and you're saying hey I want to take you out on a date I have this perfect ideal date for us you know let's go camping or let's go to a cabin no not <laughs> on the first date no because I, now I feel like, yeah, this, Ooh, this, this is the next cabins. episode of First 48. Yes. Um, no, we're not doing that. You're the cabin doing. thing is a really good idea, though. Like, definitely take me there for, like, our 10th date. That would yeah, be, the 10th, not the first, though. Yeah, yeah, I not agree with that. First. Not I'm the not the first. A, I mean, it's funny because when I was little, I did go camping with, with my friends and stuff. But I was never, I mean, I was a nature kind of girl back then, but I'm not anymore. Why? I don't know. But I haven't gone to stay at, like, in a cabin in so long. I kind of want to, like go back to that and remember what that feels like so that's like that sounds outdoors. like a good like summer activity for us to plan yeah i think we should do it for sure but um but i want to kind of rephrase the question okay uh the best ideal date first date Ooh. Mm. i have i have high expectations <laughs> on my first date <laughs> um i don't know take me to have dinner on like a boat like that's on a so romantic on a summer date yeah on that a summer day sorry that's so romantic. Like, imagine, like, being in a lake and, like, being on, like, a boat where it's just you two and you're having dinner and you're, like, have the entire, like, boat open and you're, like, in the middle of the, the, this lake and you have, like, That's the beautiful. stars above and, like, That's the nice. moon shining and you have, like, a candlelit dinner and you're getting to know each other. Like, that's super sweet. You're so romantic. I know. <laughs> I would definitely say take me to, like, a zoo. What? Like a petting zoo. <laughs> If Shailen, you can do that for me, oh, very love. Shaylin's very interactive. You can tell that she, you're like an excursion kind of person. Yes. She likes doing activities. Like, you're... <laughs> you don't? I do. No, no, I do. Um, but again, like we said, first date, right? So, like, mm -hmm. for me, the first date, I want to get to know this person to see if I'm vibing with that person, right? right? And then and then once I determine, like, okay, I, I think we're getting along pretty well, we, we, we interact pretty well, mm -hmm. then I want to go do activities so that way we're, like, engaging in in actual activities rather than just talking all the time, right? right? So then I would be like, yeah, let's go do something. Like, let's go to, for example, the arcade, or like, let's go yeah. to the zoo, or I don't know, like a amusement park, or whatever it is. Like, let's go do yeah. some activities. Um, but I wouldn't want to be like stuck in like one spot just getting to know each other every date, right? Yeah, like for the sure first date, actually. for sure, I would want to like just kind of see if our personalities mesh or yeah. mesh together, I guess. Absolutely. To see if we're going to work. Cause I'm, I catch on to vibes pretty quickly. Like <laughs> me too. I'm, a, I'm definitely a vibe person. <laughs> definitely. Who is your celebrity doppelganger? Taraji P Henson. What really? Yes, I get that. Probably not now, but definitely growing up. I can see up, it. I could see people it. always say I look like Taraji P Henson. And y'all have like the same confidence levels. Yeah. Yeah, I like, can see that. People always say that. I mean, some people say it a little bit now. Oh, and uh, Rudy, Rudy Huxable from 
um, the Cosby Show. Oh, oh. Uh, Keisha Knight. Yes, Keisha Knight. Yes. If you know who that is, yeah, yeah, definitely. It, I'll probably say Rudy before Taraji. Yeah. I grew up. People would say, "Oh my God, you look just like Rudy from the Cosby Show." Aww. And then, like growing up a little bit older, they was like, "You look like Taraji." I'm like, "Pick, pick, pick one." <laughs> Taraji or Keisha Knight. Like I can't be both, but th- definitely those two. Yeah. Um. Mine was Selena Gomez. I've gotten really? several, yeah. I can, I can see it a little bit. <laughs> I've gotten several comments about asking if I was related to her. Um, and then... I would say, yeah. <laughs> I had like a... I think I may have told you about this, but I'm not going to kind of get into all the details, but I used to work at a mental hospital. And one I of never the, knew that. one of the patients there had a really big infatuation with Selena Gomez. And so when he like saw me... He became infatuated with me, and let's just say I did not end up working there for long. But that was every single time I think of Doppelganger, that's like the story I think about, and it just creeps me out. Like, it just wow, yeah. I don't blame you now. I never knew that she worked at a mental hospital. Yeah, I'll have to tell you the story. When yeah, we're done you recording. definitely gonna have to tell me a little bit more about this. See, we learn new things about each other every day. Yes, well, that was the hot seat, you guys. All right, Shayla, do you have a story for me today? I not only do I have one, but I have two stories for you today. Ooh, two? Two. Super excited. Yes, ma'am. Are you ready to get into it? I'm super ready to get into it. Okay, partners in crime, grab your wine as it's time to wine wine and crime. crime. So for our wine today, we have Stella Bianco. Yes. Are you excited? I am excited. All right, cheers. Cheers. So for my first story, the sources I'll be using is True Crime Diva, OurBlackGirls.com, and TheVanished.com. Deborah Watkins, mother of Tanisha Watkins, became pregnant with Tanisha at the age of 16. Deborah was a ninth grader at Johnston High School when she would drop out after giving birth to Tanisha Watkins on August 22, 1981. So she was really, really young when she was in high school when she conceived uh, Tanisha. Although Deborah was very young when she was pregnant, Deborah's grandmother, Lorraine Dory, would describe Deborah as being very young, but a good mother who would always stay home and take care of her daughter. So she seems like she had it all figured out. Right. Well, not really all figured out. She was taking responsible, out, but, or no. responsibility rather for, right. for having a baby at a young age. Yeah, so she, she, she stayed home and did what she needed to do for Tanisha, so I can only, you know, applaud her for that. Mm-hmm. In 1984, Deborah and Tanisha would be residing with Lorraine in a mobile home located at 2110 Thrasher Lane in Austin, Texas. On January 5th, 1984, around 1.30 p.m., Deborah was inside the mobile home sweeping the rug while Tanisha played outside on a set of swings in the front yard of the mobile home. Now, after a few minutes of cleaning, Deborah would go and check on Tanisha, but when she went back to look outside, she noticed that Tanisha was no longer on the swing set. So in the span of just minutes. Yeah, that's the part that was crazy to me. Mm-hmm. I say that all the time. But, like, like, I feel like in a mobile home, it's, it's a small home. So yeah. you can't really, like, you should be able to hear everything that's going on outside. Yeah. So, and how old was uh, Tanisha at the time? Tanisha was two years old at the time. She was two? Two years and old. And she was playing outside on a swing set by herself. Yes. At the age of two. At the age of two. See, I thought she would have at least been, like, five or six or something. Not two. Yeah. Two? She's still a toddler. Yes. She barely talks. Yes. My godson is two. And I don't think that we would ever leave him outside alone. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. So when Deborah realized that Tanisha was no longer on the swing set, that's when she immediately runs to the neighbor's house to use their phone to call authorities. But one thing to know is that when she went to the neighbor's house, the neighbor wasn't, like, so adamant about calling the cops right away because they were just like, maybe she just wandered off you know, around the neighborhood. She couldn't have gone far. She's only two years old. Right. Like, if they think that she was the one that, like, left, right? Yeah. Like, she wanted to go exploring or something. Right. So before they even called the cops, they started searching for Tanisha around the area. hmm Now, they were not able to locate her at all. So, of course, at that point, they decided to call police. Now, another thing to know was it took them about two hours to search for Tanisha before they realized they needed to call the police, which is, to me, too long. Oh, yes. Way too long to call Especially or wait. for a two-year-old. Like, 
I mean, I understand that you're thinking that maybe that a child can just kind of go exploring on their own and, you know, kind of leave the premises on their own. Mm -hmm. But that would only be if they were, like, over the age of, like, five, six, seven, you know, not at two. Two years old. Like, a two-year-old is not going to go far. Right. So even if you were, like, oh, maybe, you know, the two-year-old's probably somewhere around the area, you'd probably search, like, what, 600 feet, and that takes, like, 10 minutes. And if you can't find them at that in that specific amount of time, like the first thing you should be doing is calling the police, right? Not waiting two hours. And again, no judgment to the family. Of course, you don't know what you're gonna do at the time, and especially exactly. back in what 1984, you said. Yeah, it was 1984. Um, so back then, it, you know, it's probably things are different back then. So yeah, than they are now. So I can't, I'm not judging on how people handle the situation, but yeah, just absolutely not for 2022. I think that that's what people would be doing. Like you would probably right. search like a good 600 feet, and if you can't find the child, then the first thing you're gonna do is call the police. Yeah. So. Just to go back, she noticed around 1.30 that Tanisha was no longer on the swing set. She went to the neighbor's house. They didn't call cops right away. They decided to just go ahead and just search the area. And then after about two hours, which was like around 3.37 p.m., that's when they decided to call the police. 3.30 to 7 p.m.? 3.37. No, 3.37 Oh, 3.37. I was like, 3.30 7. That's a no, no, whole, no. like... yeah. Three, four hour gap. Okay. No, yeah, no, it was 3.30, 3.37 p.m. Okay. So it was like roughly two hours. Okay. Shortly after police arrived, they immediately began using search dogs to determine if they can come up with Tanisha's scent to track her whereabouts or her last known whereabouts. Now, the Department of Public Safety will use helicopters to fly over the area, but unfortunately, they were not able to locate any signs of Tanisha. So they went above and yeah, beyond. Yeah, I was just going to say that. Like, nobody does that. No, I mean, no police department will do that that quickly. Right. So the fact that they went and had, like, helicopters out there, they did canine sense, like, you don't ever see that. Like, no. sometimes it takes 24 hours just to file the police report of a missing exactly. person. And they did it fairly quickly. Very quickly. And, yeah. and I think it's also because it's a child, A, but not only mm-hmm. is, is this a child, but she's two, so she's a toddler. Right. Like, she's super young. So they're definitely taking this seriously. And good for them. Like, I'm yeah. happy to hear. I'm happy to hear that, that, that they, they took they did action all this. like that. Because yeah. you don't see that in a lot of cases. I agree with you. Six days later, a group of volunteers and six police officers will perform a grid search for Tanisha, which combed around 20 to 30 acre field of land behind the mobile home. So not only did they do helicopter search, send out tracker dogs, they also had a big group of volunteers and also with six police officers that went to the back of the mobile home and searched for her. So they really, truly did go Above, above and, beyond. and beyond for searching for this little girl. Yeah, I agree that yeah. they did. Did they come up with anything during their search? Well, unfortunately, they were not able to locate any physical evidence, such as clothing or blood or any indication that Tanisha had been a victim of foul play, which is very odd because any child that goes missing in these type of circumstances is foul play to me. I'm sorry. Oh, yeah. Um, but I'm sure, but the thing is, is you know what? When, you, when we first started the story and when I asked you how old Tanisha was and you said two, which mm-hmm. kind of like surprised me, right? The first thing that I thought about was, here's the thing. So when a child is about over the age of five, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe six, seven, eight, nine, and above. I feel like when they get, you know, kidnapped, it's usually, usually, and I'm not saying this is for every circumstance. Mm-hmm. This is just my mind kind of thinking here. Usually it's a man, you know, and they're kidnapping this child for rape, right? Yeah. They, they want to carry out some sort of sexual advancement towards this child right right? Mm -hmm. but a two-year-old same thing right you could do the same thing to a two-year-old but the chances of you kidnapping a two-year-old for rape is very less likely than you kidnapping a two-year-old because you are wanting a child and you want to take this child to bring into your home exactly and this now take the placement of your child exactly so i'm wondering if this wasn't like a foul play necessarily where someone Mm -hmm. took tanisha to kill her right but more so that they took tanisha to bring into their own home to basically act as their child right because she was so young yes i agree but the reason why i did say that i don't feel like that she was not a victim of foul play because first of course she's two years old where in the world is a two-year-old gonna go that that quick right but then the officers also stated that they had no indication of her being kidnapped that's why i said that but where else would she That's be? That's what I'm saying. Where else would she go? Like, you would have found her. She's two. Like, she's not going to travel far. You would have found her if right. she, like, went off on her own. So somebody definitely took her. Right. That's what I'm saying. It has to be fall play. I'm sorry. Like, even if you took the child 
under the conditions of like you were saying, if you just want to take that child in, that's still foul play to me. You you, you stole a child that's yeah. not yours. And like, like you know, the family searched the entire area right before they called the police, right? So whoever took, you know, Tanisha, even if they were planning on killing Tanisha, they're not going to do it in that area because they don't no. have time. They're going to take her further away to do what they need to do. They're not going to keep her behind the mobile home and do what they need to do and, and leave her there or, you know, take off her clothes or whatever. Like, right. leave any kind of evidence in that area. They're going to take her and run. Like, they're not going to stay exactly. in that area. And then, like I said, they didn't even find anything, any clothing or anything in the back of the mobile home. Right. To suggest that she may have been kidnapped and somebody did that particular thing in the back of the mobile home where they raped her and left her clothes there or left her there. Right. So. Based off of everything you told me so far, I just think that this was somebody who, like, saw an opportunity and was like, mm -hmm. I want a child. This child's so cute. I'm going to take this child. Right. And just, you know, kidnapped her. And like I said, it still goes back to foul play with me. I'm sorry. That's, yeah. that's yeah, still, it's still foul, foul play. play. Yeah. You know? It's still foul play. I just don't think it's a – I don't think that this case is probably the type of foul play where right. she was raped and, raped and, and yeah. murdered. I think it's more of just a kidnapping, yeah. you know. But, again – you still have more things to tell me, so. <laughs> so one interesting thing to note here is that Tanisha's 19-year-old father had come forward with the belief that Deborah had taken Tanisha out of town. So when all of, all of this hit the fan, the father came forward. He's like, you know, I believe Deborah took Tanisha out of town, but he didn't, like, really specify why he felt that way, or at least sources didn't specify why he felt that so way. So he just thought that she took the child away from him so that he wouldn't have to like that he wouldn't see her like is it yeah to I don't hurt know him, yeah. I guess I don't know maybe it could be or it just some people like other theories that I was reading upon believe that if that was true that maybe Deborah since she was so young when she had the child maybe she was just like you know I, I just cannot no longer take care of her oh so like she gave her away and gave her away or murdered her and oh, took her somewhere. I get it. Like kind of like a Casey Anthony type. Yeah, something type like case. that. Okay. So that's what the father was noted. insinuating. But okay. he didn't like insinuate like particularly that. Oh, I think Deborah murdered Tanisha and he she dumped. It's her just somewhere. an idea that he threw yeah. out to the investigators. Mm -hmm. Okay. But I mean, like for you to accuse someone like that, you must have have some sort of feeling or a reason for you to feel that way. Right. You don't just, you know, say that about your your baby mama essentially mm, yeah you know you don't go out and say oh well my baby mama probably just you know it didn't seem like she wanted to be a mother anymore so she probably could have just gotten rid of her right like there something must have happened for him to have like thought that yeah absolutely i agree you know but i wish i wish sources would have specified a yeah. little bit more with in more detail on why you know he felt that way but unfortunately they did not so we just left in the gray area there okay so it wasn't until 10 months later after Tanisha had gone missing that leads start to come in. So, girl, it took 10 months for people to come forward with witness statements or any just leads in particular on Tanisha. Why did it take so long? Yeah, you would think that, like, you hear something about that and you want you would start, like, getting tips immediately, like, within that first 24 hours, honestly. Right. Because who remembers stuff 10 months from now? Like, that's a long time. Yeah. I don't even remember what I did 10 months ago. I, I barely remember what I did two days ago. <laughs> yeah, I was just going to say, I don't even remember what I did 10 minutes ago. Sometimes. Right. So, like, I'm literally so lost in life that you don't remember things. You don't remember what you see, especially, and that's yeah. the most crucial part of every case. And this is why it's so hard to believe people like this when they come forward with witness statements. Why did you wait so long? And it, it kind of, like, questions your credibility. Right. Exactly. It definitely does. So, police received a tip that a couple who had moved into a northeast Austin apartment complex had a little girl with them who strongly resembled Tanisha. So, this tip came in about a couple who had moved into a new apartment complex, and they said that this couple had a child that strongly resembled Tanisha. So, that kind of rolls back to your theory on somebody abducting Tanisha solely for their gain of having a child. child. Yeah. Yeah. So after police looked into this, it was discovered that the little girl was not Tanisha, but she had a striking resemblance to her, which is very odd. Yeah, that is odd. Mm -hmm. So another tip had come in regarding a witness who claims to have seen Tanisha that same day she vanished. This witness described Tanisha being accompanied by a slender, bearded man wearing a army green hat as they were walking eastbound on Riverside Drive in Austin. So this other witness came forward saying that the day that Tanisha had vanished, 
they saw her being accompanied by a slender man who had a beard and had an army hat on, and they were walking on Riverside Drive in Austin. Again, if that is true, why didn't you come forward that day? Yeah, like you thought you knew about the story then. Like if that's what you your you know your brain was traveling to that idea, you should have spoke up right then so that they could have investigated the specific man. I mean, that long later, you can't even locate that man. Exactly. Not at all. So, again, although this information may have been very crucial in possibly locating Tanisha, there's no information if this lead was further investigated by police. So, there were sources that I read that didn't even go further into detail if they even investigated this tip or what even came about this whole information. Like, it just seemed like they just, like, whatever. Right. Yeah. You know what's a little odd to me is just kind of going into that theory of, you know, someone abducting Tanisha just for the sake of having a child. Mm-hmm. Um, because Tanisha's two, she's old enough to have connections with the people she was being raised by, right? right. Mm-hmm. And I know this because, like I said, I have a godson who's two, and he he's definitely formed relations with his mother and his father and his grandparents and his aunts and, like, me and my sister. Like, he, he knows who we are, mm-hmm. and he formed that bond with us. So I'm thinking with Tanisha, I'm like, you know, if she was abducted by a complete stranger for the sake of their own, imagine that, like, that struggle that Tanisha probably went through to, like, be like, you're not my mom. Like, she can't, you know, two-year-olds don't communicate fully, right? Right. They probably can't full form, or form full sentences, rather. So she can't, you know, communicate the fact that I know you're not my mom. Where is my mom? Who are you, and why are you trying to take care of me? Right. You know, and to just think of that emotional, like, imbalance in that child's head and heart you know like being like completely with strangers if that if this is what happened right Right. i'm just thinking in the aspect of tanisha like her going to a different household and adjusting to this different household and like her obviously being super confused because she doesn't recognize anybody in that household like that's hard yeah it is especially for a two-year-old like that's super traumatic it is you're right and this has i'm sorry this you know i'm not comparing children to pets in any kind of way but it's very similar to pets too. Yeah. Like when you, I'm a very strong believer that if you're going to go get a pet, please make sure that you're going to stick with that decision. Right. Do not get a pet and decide, oh, this is too hard for me and I have to give this pet up because pets also have feelings and exactly. they do get attached. And if you, if they get attached to you and then you decide to give them up one day, like they are going to go through a traumatic experience just like any human would. Exactly. So I'm very big on like, pets children anything like you know anyone who has a soul has feelings and in the attachment is a form of that so and I just that's why I guess my first like thought and instinct went to Tanisha and I was like imagine how hard it must have been for her to like adjusting to adjust to a different household yeah not knowing a single person yeah Yeah. if that's what happened right but I just that's just what I wanted to kind of point out I love how you thought about that yeah for sure well this will be the last lead that has ever been publicly reported to this very day Tanisha has never been found after 38 years, which is sad. It's been 38 years. She was so young. We have no idea what happened to her. Mm -hmm. What do you think? You think that she was like, was she involved in a foul play where like she was murdered, or do you think that she was like maybe human trafficked, or do you think that maybe somebody abducted her for the sake of their own, just to have a child? Like, where does, where does your instinct say? I have no idea. I really don't know. There's not much info for us to kind of make that. Yeah, I really do not know what could have possibly happened i don't think that she left on her own i definitely don't think that for sure like how could the two-year-old leave on their own and not ever be found especially that that quickly or you know i agree i think somebody if i'm going to support the theory that she was kidnapped of course she was kidnapped but i believe that she was kidnapped by somebody that she did not know and I really think that the perpetrator saw the opportunity while she was on the swing set by herself mm-hmm. to kidnap her. I want to know a little bit more information, you know, on the mom. Yeah. You know, because I want to see, I know that she was a good mother and, you know, obviously in the beginning, like that's what you're going to try to be. But it gets, being a mom is a hard job. And I'm sure all moms can tell you that. I'm not a mom, but I can see it. I can feel it. It gets, it's not an easy job. So I wonder, you know, I want to know a little bit more about her to see if, Maybe she did kind of give up the baby. You know, I, I want to kind of explore that theory a little bit more because I do think it's a little odd that she was in a mobile home and didn't hear 
a child being taken from a swing, you know, right. but she was too. So it probably yeah. didn't take much for somebody to take her. It probably her. didn't. Like not you could all. literally just lift this child and take her and go. And exactly. the two year old's probably not going to know any better, you know, than to scream or cry or whatever. You don't know that. Like no. some children are like, don't know you start screaming immediately. And then some children are like, kind of like, I don't know what to do. I'm just going to stay like they're shy and introverted and quiet. And they're just going to stay to themselves, you know? Yeah. So we don't know how Tanisha was. Absolutely. So it's, it's for me, it's like a, I don't know if it's maybe somebody that, I don't know if it was like a planned, meditated, I'm going to give my child away kind of abduction, or if it was like a, you know, a natural abduction where someone took Tanisha, like a stranger took Tanisha, I guess. Right. Yeah, you're right. So according to Lieutenant Franklin, um, both Lorraine and Deborah have kept in close contact with the Austin Police Department. Lorraine later stated in an interview, and I quote, it's hard to get through the fifth day of every month or to see pictures of all those missing children at the police station. I have never thought it would happen to me. So if you have any information regarding the disappearance of Tanisha, please contact the Austin Police Department. Hey, 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 partners in crime, listen up. Have you been searching for someone to serve you that ultimate glam look, but you just can't seem to find the right fit? Well, I think I may be able to guide you in the right direction. Ms. Tia Edwards is a certified and professional makeup artist located in Houston, Texas. Tia specializes in makeup, ombre brows, as well as brow tint and waxing. Go ahead and follow her on her Instagram at everythingbrows underscore beauty to book your next look. (laughs) Don't worry, you won't be disappointed. And let her know that Crime Critics and Chaos sent you. All right, Shabani, are you ready for the second story that I have for you? Let's do it. It's another missing person case. This is going to be the story of Aura Denise Johnson. Okay. So the sources I'll be using for this story is The Charlie Project and OurBlackGirls.com. It was around 6.30 a.m. on April 2nd, 1986, when the parents of five-year-old Aura Johnson had woken to discover that the back door of their mobile home, located at the 300 block of Boulder Street in Big Sandy, Texas, had been wide open. Aura's parents then went to the bedroom of Aura and noticed that she was nowhere to be found and that her orange bedspread was also missing. Aura's parents immediately called the police and reported her missing. So, how old was she again? She was five years old. She was five, okay. Mm-hmm. So when police arrived, they will learn that there was no evidence of a break-in or any signs of forced entry, but I don't understand how because, like, the door is wide open. Right. Our bedroom was found to have been undisturbed, and no one reported hearing or seeing anything unusual that night, which I'm not really surprised. And that's so odd to me, again, because, again, the second story also has, you know, has occurred, I guess, mm-hmm. in a mobile home, just like the first right. one. Mm-hmm. And, again, like I said in the first story, mobile homes are smaller. So, like, I feel like, you know, you should be able to hear things, especially yeah. in inside the home itself. Like, at least in the first story, like, you know, the mom, Deborah, she was inside the home and... Mm-hmm. You know, Tanisha was outside. So I guess I'll kind of give you a little bit of leeway on that. But the second case, I guess because it was nighttime and everybody was sleeping, but you would think you would hear somebody come into a mobile home and, right. and kidnap a child. Something. Especially with her being five. Like, she's old enough right. rather than Tanisha, right? Tanisha was two. But Ara was five. So five. you would think that she would throw a fit being captured in the right. middle of the night. Definitely would see something as far as, like, any screams or... You know anything along those lines? Because I don't see a five objections, anything, anything that's like without no. without a fight. Yeah, that's fight. exactly what I'm saying. Like yeah. like a two year old will just like in their sleep kind of go along with you, but like a five year old, that's different. Yeah. So police brought in tracker dogs, but Ali, they were not able to locate her scent in the home. In the home itself, she was all over the home. It's a smaller home. So I'm saying I don't you know would why think the they scent wouldn't. would be stronger. Exactly. So that kind of threw me for a loop reading that because I'm like, she lived in that home. How you didn't find her scent? Yeah. Unless your dogs are. Unless she was already <laughs> gone, bef- like way before. Or that. But she still lives in the home. Her scent's gonna be everywhere. But how sources put it, that they couldn't find her scent anywhere. And that's what. But that's what I'm saying. Like, let's just say like whoever lived in the home with her, which I'm assuming is her parents. Mm-hmm. Like they somehow. She had left the home and reported her missing way later. Right. And, you know, if they had something to do with it, obviously. But, like, they must have cleaned the home of her scent. So, it, you know, it probably that's wasn't as hard, strong. I've seen, I've seen a couple of cases where that's happened. Really? Where parents got rid of their children because they didn't want their children anymore. 
and they like obviously it's a child so yeah. you know they're not going to school or was five so she probably was going to school but in this specific case i'm thinking about i think it's madeline something i'm gonna have to look look it up a little bit mm-hmm. uh, it didn't happen in texas but it's a really good case but you know, she nobody really was paying attention to the fact that she was alive or not because she didn't go to school. There wasn't anything to keep track of her mm-hmm. being alive, right? And so the parents just got rid of her body and, like, put her in a trash bag, put her in a trash can, and, like, threw her in a lake. And then they basically, like, they had to, like, later on, after a couple of days, they had to come up with a theory of why they no longer have their daughter, right? Oh. And so in the meantime, they could have used that time to, like, clean the home and get rid of anything that belonged to her or whatever, right? To kind of wipe away her memory. Yeah. And that's what I'm thinking. If if that has anything to do with this case, where the parents got rid of Aura, then they could have gotten rid of her scent because they got rid of her, you know, wow. her, her memory. Because you said that... Nothing was undisturbed, right? Like, right. Nothing was undisturbed. Or nothing, nothing was disturbed. Taking. That's what I meant. My bad. Yeah. That's just a theory. I mean, I'm not, I'm not, I'm just. That's crazy, though. You got me thinking things. a little bit there, honestly. Yeah. Wow. So, Ara's father told investigators that between the hours of 1 a.m. and 2 a.m., he went and checked on her, but she was sound asleep. So, that being said, it was believed that sometime after 2 a.m., Ara was abducted. But police strongly believe that whoever did so knew the family's regular habits. Yeah. So, I guess they were saying they were close to the family or they just knew of the family's habits, which is odd because I don't see anybody that's not related to the family or don't have any type of affiliation with the family just knowing the habits. Right. You know. I, I wouldn't mean either. Like, you don't know when a parent's going to wake up to check check up on their child. Like, right. that's... It could happen any time of the night. So, exactly. I don't know if that's necessarily true in the sense of, you know... Like, if that's a really strong enough evidence to kind of clarify that this person was closer to the family. Right, right? yeah. Because it could just have been pure luck. Like, could a stranger could have just came in and grabbed this child and it could have been pure luck. Exactly. So Ara's mother, father, and another man who was a strong person of interest all took polygraphs. A man by the name of David Elliot Pinton was later revealed to be a person of interest in 2007. The alleged serial killer has been in prison since 1987, but it's believed that he's responsible for the deaths of Ara, 2-year-old Amber Crumb in 1983, and 11-year-old Angelica Gandera in 1985. Now, that man that took a, a polygraph along with the parents, mm-hmm. that's not the same man as a serial killer, right? There's yes, that actually is. So, this couple had a serial killer living in their home? No, that's not what it's saying. It's saying that they interviewed the mother and the father, and I guess... Oh, the, and then this other man yeah. that was probably in the area. Right. Who was, okay, I thought that this person was living with them. My but bad. this man was a serial killer, so he was automatically on their radar. Right. That's why they interviewed him in particular, along with the mother and father. It wasn't like he was affiliated with the Okay, family. got it. I thought they yeah, were affiliated. I'm sorry if I kind of... No, you know. you're fine. I just wanted to make sure that... that I just wanted to clarify that in my head. Yeah. Um, And then just a little side note here. You know, I am not a big believer on polygraphs. I'm just not. Um, if, if I'm ever a person of interest or suspect in a case and I know for a fact I didn't do it, I am not taking a polygraph. I know that's going to make me look extra suspicious, and that's fine, but I'm not taking a polygraph because I don't believe in those, I don't trust in those, and I'm definitely going to fail them because I have anxiety <laughs> to the max. And just sitting in front of one and like being connected to those wires, I'm immediately going to start feeling like that panic mm-hmm. come into my body, and I'm going to fail that. You're just going to ask, like, what's your name, or is your name Shivani? And I'm going to say yes, and I'm going to fail it. <laughs> Like, it's just That's why not, people don't rely on that. Yeah, but you know how I said, like, or I, I don't know if I said it in this episode or maybe another one, but I've mentioned how I think that investigators kind of, you know, they put their theory on who they think it is, and then their objective after they find, who, after they kind of determine who they think it is, is mm-hmm. to prove that point. Right. And it, they don't go beyond the aspect of, I think it was in our last episode, actually, um, they don't go beyond the aspect of maybe it's somebody else. Let me just try to look into somebody else rather right. than trying to just you know manipulate the evidence to go after that one person and all it's going to take is that one polygraph and because it's not admissible in court really but it's still admissible in their in their in their heads like the investigators heads so they're just going to be like well this person failed the polygraph so this person is definitely a strong person of interest and now we're just going to build this evidence against this one person rather than going and moving on to other suspects exactly and that's why i would never take a polygraph i don't want my name on their radar in any kind of way yep that's that's exactly how it is that's exactly how it is. So Pitten signed a plea agreement admitting to the murders of three girls in Texas. 
The Texas victims disappeared over a period of 18 months in the Dallas area and range of age between four to nine years old. All in 18 months? 18 months. Three girls. Three girls in Dallas. Penn was also convicted of manslaughter and the child abuse death of his own infant son in 1984. Oh yeah, this, why? Okay, if he killed his own son, why was he released from prison? I have no idea. That is what's wrong. That's what's wrong, is that people like that sh- should be, like, staying in prison, and we're letting them out just to commit more crimes. And, I'm sorry, but you said that this happened in Dallas. Was he residing in Dallas around that time? It didn't specify. And then also, another question is, I'm not sure where Big Sandy, or is it Big Sandy, Yeah, Texas? it's Big Sandy. Uh-huh. How far away from that, from Dallas is that city? Uh, we can look it up real quick. I've never heard of Big Sandy, Texas. Have you heard of I have Big never Sandy? heard of Big Sandy. Me neither. So it looks like it's about an hour and 45 minutes away. Okay, so it's not too bad. No. But I still feel like he had he had to been like been living in that area for him to commit these crimes. Right. So in 1984, Penn was found guilty of manslaughter following the death of his two-month-old son. So while out on bond, he fled and remained at large until 1987. So he was at large for three years. Three whole years. Wow. But he was eventually captured and convicted of the murder of his friend's nine-year-old niece. Oh my gosh, this man never stopped. No. Not at all. Was he, like, sentenced to life or death? He needs to. Honestly, now, some people may not agree about the death penalty situation. But in this case, he needed the death penalty to me. Yes. He definitely needed the death penalty. Because, like, if y'all are letting him out, you know, they let him out the first time. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm assuming it's because... You know, you didn't have enough space for him at this point. Exactly. And I know that sucks, but, like, the, people like this cannot be out in the world. They just can't. No, like, not at all. This is what makes the world an unsafe place because you let people like that out just to commit more crimes. So it is suspected that Penton is also responsible for other crimes against unknown victims that he strangled and molested. So Penton was sentenced to life in prison and it was eligible for parole in 2027. So after he fled while he was on bond, they finally captured him and then they sentenced him to life in prison. And he is eligible for parole in 2027. No! Oh my gosh, no! Because it's coming up soon. We have so many kids out. Mm-hmm. In the, like, it's 2022 now. Like the, the the world is... It's changed since then. Right. We have so many kids like out on the streets, I feel like. Exactly. It's crazy. He should have not been eligible for that. He no, has committed way too many crimes and I think for what I'm him trying to, to be say eligible is, for parole. Right, right. And I guess what I'm trying to say when I say that we have so many kids out right now because it's 2022. Let me rephrase that. Back then, I think we had more kids out on the streets at a younger age. Yeah. Now, I think we're a little bit more careful with having little, mm-hmm. like, like younger kids. But we don't know what his MO is going to change into, right. right? Like, he could go from kids to teenagers and we definitely have teenagers all over the place all like, I feel over like the place parents yeah. are not as strict as they used to be anymore and we have kids everywhere so I, and you really think that this man's not going to commit another crime like I, he definitely will given the chance like he's already committed so many like i why would you let him out on parole and he's still alive yeah that's what i see here he's still alive oh my gosh mate and sometimes i feel like you know investigators kind of just put like or not investigators but like the jury or the judge kind of puts a specific mm-hmm. year out because they don't think that they're going to, to live at a certain live time, that long. Yeah, you'll be surprised; those people really be living that long. I and what what do you know? Just for my reference, do you know what like where he was at? Like where he was incarcerated at? No, he didn't. Because I'm staying away from that city. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure it's somewhere in Texas, but um, it doesn't specify exactly what jail. You know, he's. I feel so insecure. Like, I do not want to be out on the streets, nor do I want any children out on the streets with this man, like, out at large. Yeah. I mean, he's already fled once. He's, at this point, killed about six people, six, you know, minors. Yeah. And you're you're letting him out on parole in 2027? Make that make sense. Yeah. It's just so frustrating because... And irritating, I guess, because it's like, you know, it's it's coming up so soon. And I really hope that something happens and, and they don't let him out because I really don't feel safe and, you know, don't want our kids out on the street. No, not With at all. this guy no. um, out on the streets as well. I agree. He's had too many chances. There's just no way. Well, 
not too many chances, but he's just committed too many crimes. It's hard to give someone like that no, another right. opportunity. No, they gave him too many chances as far as they should have, you know, either put him to death mm-hmm. or... I'm with you, and I don't even know... Kept him in life in prison right. a long time ago. And I, I think Texas does have a death penalty. Um, they do, we do. So, yeah. And I don't know when that became enforced, but he's definitely one of those... Um, perpetrators that are eligible for it, I feel like. Yeah, they should have. I'm sorry, but you know, if you don't believe in that, teach us on. But just people who commit crimes like this, I feel like they need to be eligible for the death penalty. That's just my opinion. Yeah, because you know. this was like more than one encounter, and that's the part that's getting to me, right? Like, mm-hmm. yeah, you can definitely seek redemption, you know, with with a mistake or something. But this is something like a sick. This is a mental illness. This is a sickness right. that kept him going. So, yeah, I agree with you. So although Penton has not been charged for the disappearance of Aura, Amber, and Angelica, he did in fact sign a plea deal admitting to murders of three other girls. So besides these three girls, he admitted to killing three other girls. Yeah, so he's just on a roll, like I said. He's just, and I don't know if he's proud of it. Sounds like he is. Because he's like taking full responsibility for these or... But that's just insane. It sounds like he is proud of it. You keep yeah. doing it, you have to have some type of, you have to have take some type of pride in doing that if you keep doing it. Right. You know. So one interesting thing to note is that Penton's cellmates reportedly told authorities that he had mentioned to them that he was responsible for the murder of Aura, Amber, and Angelica. But this has not been proven. So, you know, it's just one of those things where the cellmates came forward and said, you know, this guy has been talking, and he admitted to us that he killed Aura and all these other females. But, of course, it You're hasn't saying. been proven, you know. So, I don't know if I believe that or not, you know. But, not, not, don't get me wrong, though. There are a lot of people that go and they talk to their cellmates about the crimes they, they commit. committed. Yes. And I was just going to say, like, because this man has committed more than one crime... He's obviously a serial killer, right? Like, yeah, you named him a serial, serial killer. killer. Uh-huh. So he's committed multiple crimes yeah. with multiple children, right? So I guess what I'm... And this is very detailed of me here. But, like, for me, I'm thinking, like, this man remembers the name of every kid that he's killed. And he comes into... He, he gets incarcerated, and he speaks with his cellmates, and he's like, yeah, I killed... Ara and I killed Susie and I killed Debbie and I killed Sarah and Rachel and all these people. How do you remember their names like that? Like you don't know these victims. Right. So how do you remember these girls' name or these kids' names? Like I wonder, I guess what I'm getting to is does he really know their names? So that's what I'm saying. Is this a credible source? Because Mm -hmm. if he's killed so many at this point, I know he killed his own child, right? And he killed his friend's child. So those names, you know He knows. He knows, obviously. But the ones that he just committed, like on a random spree, how do you remember their names? Because right. you did them so much. Very interesting. Very interesting, Siobhan. For example, Ara, like he he didn't know her, so how do you know yeah. her name? Couldn't have known. Like her. did you, unless they're so obsessive and like you said, so prideful in their work that they keep tabs on these victims or like on the news and stuff like that. And right. that's how they like, you know, know their names and kind of form mm-hmm. that bond and that could happen that's a thing yeah that's a thing that's a for thing sure. but i don't know if that's how he functions right we don't know if he functions in the way that he actually keeps tabs of these um victims right. that he he kills or he just kills them and he's done and he doesn't want to ever go back and doesn't ever like do anything to like look back into who it was and right you know what the investigators know it's for him it's like nope committed it done moving on i think a lot of serial killers like just keep tabs on their victims really yeah, I think if it's like a cat and mouse game, I think if it's the thrill of the in, of the chase that they enjoy, then they do. Yeah. But I think that the people who truly do it just to enjoy the moment of like that, that high, high moment, yeah. yeah, of them committing the crime, they I don't know. think they yeah. do. Yeah, you're right. So as of today, which is 36 years, Aura still remains missing, and her case still remains cold. So this is another case that has never been solved after. 30 years. That is crazy. Yeah. So at the time of Aura's disappearance, she was described as being 3 feet tall and 39 pounds. She has black, dark brown hair and brown eyes. She was missing two of her lower front teeth and had a filling in her right back molar. Aura also went by the nickname Nisi. So of course, foul play is suspected in her case and authorities still believe that she was kidnapped by someone that she knew. So basically that knew of her family's habits or they was associated with her family. Mm-hmm. 
She was the second child of her parents, so they previously had lost a six-year-old son accidentally um, drowned at the age of nine months. Yeah, before August abduction. And then she was their second child? And did they have a third one? No. Not that I know of. Yeah. Mm, That's interesting, actually. Mm -hmm. So that is something to kind of look into further. Yeah, with the parents. Right. Just to kind of get more feedback on that, right? Like, Mm -hmm. just to loop them out of the list of suspects, I guess. Right. So if anyone has any information regarding this cold case, you may contact the Upshur County Sheriff's Office and, of course, submit a tip online anonymously. Well, there you have it. That is the story of Tanisha Watkins and Ara Johnson. Wow. I love when you cover disappearance cases, especially with children, because I feel like those are very important. um, Because we, you know, I feel like we learn something from each story and we take away something from it each time to help our community be safer. Right. Uh, But thank you for sharing that. Oh, you're welcome. So please keep supporting us. Tell your friends, share, and follow us on Facebook and Instagram. And please subscribe and follow us on whatever platform you're listening to us on, whether that's Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or YouTube. Uh, Personally, Shailen and I like Apple Podcasts, yes. but um, <laughs> we are available on plenty of other platforms for you to listen to us on. Yep. Um, this will qualify you for a shout out. Um, I guess this week's shout out will go to all of our new listeners um, who yes. are out there because I know we have had plenty of new listeners. So thank you guys so much for supporting us. If you are subscribed, make sure you follow us as well. That way you'll get an immediate notification of our latest episode release. So we'll see you next week, guys. We'll see you guys. Goodbye. Bye.